What makes a step so important? Because it begins a journey. Just like a race car drafting off another car, moving forward together makes the journey easier. The King uses community to make us more like himself. Through the sharpening like iron, we are made better. We were not made to journey alone. We were made to be fully known and to be connected. We will be tempted to run back to isolation, where we will want to run to our fig leaves of shame. But we have been invited by the King to walk with him in the cool of the day. As iron sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen another. Because truly, we are better together, and together we will prevail. This is what makes a step so important. It begins the journey. Saw you ladies dancing right there to that. Yeah, that's a little too much. But anyways, glad that was good. It's good. No, I mean it's got to be. There's no doubt. I just I can't can't uh, can't kind of hang with you on that. But I mean I feel it. I feel it. I, what we're going to talk about today is my favorite. Uh, I think it's my favorite subject to talk about because it's it's made just such a difference in my life, and it was something I fought against for so long. So I'm just super excited about it. I, I'm so glad you're here. We're in week two of a series that we've entitled uh, Accelerate. If you're watching online, man, I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. And what is this series really built off of? It's really built off just the these four growth steps in the life of the church. Here at New Vision, these four things that we really believe the Bible lays out clearly, uh, that we just if we would apply these principles in our life, it's kind of like stepping on the gas, then we would accelerate spiritually. We would really begin to experience God's power in our life. So those four things are worship, which we saw last week. We're going to see today connecting in, in community. And uh, next week, we'll talk about serving. And then last week, go. And as we push the gas on those things, we begin to experience uh, God's power in our life. Now, here's the most often asked question about this series. Uh, a, whose car is this? Uh, it is Pastor Steve Austin's car. What year is it? 1979 Camaro Z28. It has currently, I say currently, about 800 horsepower. Uh, it can go up to as much as 1,400 horsepower. I have ridden in it at 800. I don't want to ride in it at 1,400. I will promise you that. I will say, Man, when you set in this car, the first thing you do is you buckle into like a four-point harness, which should be kind of a wake-up call that it's about to get real, right, you know, when that happens. But then when he cranks that thing up and you feel it and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is what a car is supposed to sound like, feel like. And then when he accelerates, when he steps on it, you're like, why won't my truck do this? You know, this would be amazing. And so it's, a, it's an unreal experience. Here, it really, the most often asked question is, why won't y'all start that car up? Uh, because if we did, it would smell like somebody poured gas on you for the rest of the day because it, it makes this whole room kind of a little strong. So that's why we haven't started it up. But anyways, uh, if you have your Bible, as Dakota said, let's open them up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to see a really important passage. We're going to look at some principles here that I just know, if applied, will help you. Acts chapter 2, an amazing book of the Bible. If you're new to the church, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're watching. 
The book of Acts takes place directly after the first four Gospels. So it takes place in the time frame of the Jesus story. After Jesus is crucified, buried, and resurrected, and then he ascends into heaven, the book of Acts takes place. And it's really the establishment of the first church. It's kind of the Acts of the Apostles, the first followers of Jesus, and and how they really did church and what God did in and through this first group of believers. And so we're going to see that today. Interesting. Acts chapter 2 that we're going to take a look at today. This particular story, it's actually a sermon that Simon Peter, uh, one of the apostles who, by the way, denied he even knew Jesus three times the night of Jesus' arrest, is now the leader of the first church in Jerusalem. So how's that for a past, right? So that just tells us that God can redeem our past and use us in the future. He is preaching. He's preaching 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ at a Jewish event called Pentecost. And so it's actually 10 days after Jesus had ascended uh, into heaven. And so let's jump in there in, in verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message, whose message? Simon Peter, as he was preaching the gospel, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so what do we learn here? Simon Peter preaches, and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Now, that is a church service, isn't it? I mean, if you're familiar with the Bible, you kind of know this story. It's an amazing thing. One of the things that, that I want to say about this passage, Jesus before he ascends into heaven, tells his disciples, the apostles, to stay in the city of Jerusalem and do one thing, and that one thing was pray until the Holy Spirit was to come. And so that was taking place at Pentecost. So the church had been praying for 10 days. Simon Peter preaches for 10 minutes. Some of you are like, Pastor Bray, that'd be a good one for you to kind of learn. 10 days of praying, uh, 10 minutes of preaching, and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? I think we pray for 10 minutes, preach for 10 days, and see three people come to faith in Christ. So it really gives us a, a difference about how passionate they were about prayer. And so verse, uh, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Who is they? It was those who had come into faith in Christ, this 3,000 who had been born again spiritually. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, what we're seeing, and this is why this passage is so important, what we're seeing with the first church is they gathered in this large group setting where many people came to faith in Christ, and then immediately they were placed in smaller groups where they could be known. You can't really be known in a crowd of 3,000, can you? The answer to that is no. And we learn best in these small groups. And so that, that's what they were doing. So that was this, this process, the early church. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And so they saw a fresh movement and a powerful movement of God. Now, sometimes what we say is, well, well that really took place back as God was establishing his first church and God doesn't really work that way today. Not, not, so, not so fast. We've entitled this message, Releasing the E-Brake, the emergency brake. That's what I did when I got in Pastor Steve's car and he took me for a ride. I said, where's the emergency brake? Because I just thought, if things get crazy, I want to be able to pull the brake. Uh, he didn't show me where the brake was. But anyways, for us, th- that's kind of where we are. We just have a lot of excuses, and it's keeping us from really experiencing the power of God. In fact, the e-brake for us can be just our excuses. But when these believers were in community with other believers, God began to move in a powerful way. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Let me just say this. We're more divided today probably as a people than we've ever been before. We have so much division over political things, over what's going on with the, you know, 
COVID and vaccines, not vaccines. I mean, just all kinds of division. And I'm not going to step into, I'm not going to step into that today. I am going to show you something. That where there is unity, unity of purpose, meaning focused on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ above all things, the Spirit of God will fall. And where there is disunity, we talk about it a lot here, the Spirit of God will flee. So that's what's at stake. And we see unity among these early believers. These are our ancestors of the faith. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone as they had need. And so this giving was a regular rhythm of their life. And, and they realized it wasn't the government's uh, responsibility to take care of people. It was their responsibility to take care of, of people. Every day they continued to, to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. So again, you see large group gatherings like we're doing today. And then small group connecting uh, in homes. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. That is such an interesting phrase to me. It's something that is so challenging for me. Because what is it really saying is that the establishment of the first church, these first believers, the community liked them. There was something that they saw in them that they found favor with the lost world. I don't think we have that so much today. And see, that's another thing that happens. It's a byproduct, if you will, of really being in true biblical communities. We're connecting with each other. Then we're sharpened. And some of these things relationally that are really difficult and bothersome, that God begins to refine them in community with other people. It said, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing to be a part of a church where every single day you didn't have to wait to gather in a worship service for people to be born again, people were being born again every single day because they were seeing something so powerful in the lives of these first believers that they wanted something. They wanted that. And these early believers weren't ashamed of what God was doing uh, in their life. Now, here's what I want to do for the next several minutes. Uh, Here's what people have said all weekend long. Well, you talk about community a lot, and we do. Uh, This message is going to be different because every one of the four points that I'm going to make over the next 20 minutes-ish in this message are really going to be things that I've heard from you guys or other folks in, in church about group. And so I want to kind of, I want to, things that I've said as well. Here's the first thing about uh, really releasing. This is kind of the first e-break, if you will. Here's the first thing I hear. I don't see the need for group. I hear people say that a lot. I don't really see the need. I don't understand the big deal about why you guys are always talking about connecting in, in community with other believers in a small group. And here's why, because it's God's design. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2, right? That was God's design. I mean, the church grew large as people were born again, and then they were placed in smaller groups where they could be cared for and where they could grow and and develop. Now, here's something that's interesting. I want you to hang with me for just a second if you can. Those of you who are watching online, we're so excited to have you. God didn't add these people to the church without first saving them, right? 3,000 of them were born again. There's so many, so many folks, they want to be associated with the church at a couple key times in their life, right? When, when, when they're getting married or, or when, when, when they die, everybody's a member of a church in their obituary, but most of our life, not, not, not so much. So there was no nominal Christianity like in the first church. Like you had to be born again to be a part of a church, the first church, and then nor did God place them uh, in, in the church without putting them in community with other believers. So there weren't any solitary Christians there in the first church. I think it's important to, to see that. Now, I, I, I'm not a NASCAR. I, don't, I obviously don't race cars. 
I don't know just a ton about cars, but I, I watch some, some races from time to time. I guess you could be a race car driver and not have a pit crew. You ever thought about that? I'm sure you could. But my question is, why would you? Like if you're racing a car and you pull into the pit and you have to climb out of the car and you have to change the tires yourself, you have to fuel the vehicle yourself, and you have to make all the adjustments of yourself, you can do that, but it's just not a very efficient way to race. Would you agree with that? I think we would all agree with that, whether you're a NASCAR fan or, or not or any type of, of racing fan. So you can race without a pit crew, but the real question is, 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 is why would you? The second thing that, that you notice if you, if you watch a little, a little racing is, is you notice this technique that uh, uh, racers will use, especially in long tracks, called drafting. You'll also see this on I-24 tomorrow as you're making your way into to town. You'll, you'll see that there as well. So what, 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 is, what is drafting? Well, drafting is, is, is there. It is when two vehicles come, the, the, the second vehicle comes up and just almost locks bumpers with the lead vehicle. So why do NASCAR racers, why do they draft? Well, here's the thing. Uh, and you might say, well, well they're, they're, they're drafting uh, just so they can reduce drag. And so what is drag? Well, just stick your hand out your car on your way home. If you're going 40, 50 miles an hour, you'll feel drag. And so when a car is going down the road, it's experiencing drag on the front end. As air comes in, it hits the front end of the car, it's incre it increases drag. But there's also drag on the back end as the air flows over the vehicle and comes back. As it goes over the backside of the vehicle, it begins to swirl and form almost an eddy. And so as a car is going down the road, as your car is going down the road, as a race car is going down the track, it's experiencing drag on the front side and the back side. And so when, when cars draft, that rear car comes in right on that bumper, it is reducing drag on the rear of that lead car. And then that front car is reducing drag on the nose of that rear car. All that to say this, both vehicles are impacted positively. When cars draft, both vehicles increase their speed by up to five miles an hour they also increase their fuel efficiency. That's why they do it. And some of you are like, what's the point? Well, connecting in community in many ways is like drafting. You see that? It's not, only, it's not only benefiting me, it's benefiting others. It's such an important thing. So connecting in community can be an accelerator. That's the point of this series. It can be an accelerator to your spiritual journey. Because when, when I sat down in this vehicle a couple weeks ago, and, and, and he turned this thing on, and I felt that rumble, I'm like, I'm made for this. Right? Why can't my truck, why doesn't my truck do that? But, but, but here's the point, spiritually, does this resonate with your soul? Don't you think you're made for more than you're experiencing right now? Don't you think there's just more power that God wants to unleash in your life, more freedom that you can experience in your life? I think that's true. Well, how, how do we begin to take hold of that? Well, connecting in community can be a true accelerator to your spiritual journey. It's like having a pit crew. It's like drafting. It's where you're cared for, and it's where you will really begin to grow and be supercharged spiritually. Now, here's another thing that sounds kind of the same, but it's slightly different. Connecting in community can be an accelerator to the, to the supernatural. Like that's what was happening in the first church in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, and awe. In other words, they were overwhelmed with the power and presence of God. I think something has happened in our day today. It has happened in my life, and I'm afraid it's happened in our church. I, I feel like we've just lost the sense of awe for our God. Does that make sense? 
all of his power and what he wants to do. In the early church, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I have said this all weekend long. I believe we serve a supernatural God. In the church today, we have just made God so practical and manageable, right? That is so far from who he is. I believe God still wants to do the supernatural in the lives of his people. Now, you don't chase the miraculous. You chase Jesus. You adhere to his word and his will and the processes that he has in place, and you will begin to experience the supernatural. And that's what was happening when they were connecting in true community. They begin to experience the supernatural, and I think that can happen today. I think we can see the lost saved. Do you think that's a miracle? I do. I think we can see people healed. I think we see addicted folks released. I think we see the sorrowful begin to find joy and hope again. I think we see prodigals return home. I think those are the kind of things that can happen as we're in group, connected together. We begin to experience the supernatural movement of God. Daniel, he's sitting right over here to the left who leads worship here. He, he said this this week. It was a great statement. He says, when I'm connecting in community with other believers, I'm a better husband I'm a better dad, and I'm better for the kingdom of God. That is true of me as well. You see? Now, here's the thing. Watch this. The opposite of connecting in community is isolation. And isolation isolation is the arch enemy of transformation. Does that make sense? Isolation is the opposite of connecting. And here's the problem with it. It is the arch enemy of transformation. Transformation is what God is up to in your life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in changing you, molding you, shaping you into the image of Christ. You see, and isolation keeps us from experiencing that. Listen to this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian. He said, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. It's just the opposite of God's game plan. God's game plan is for you to be connected in community. That's a process for you. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin be over him. It's true, isn't it? Look at Proverbs 18.1. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. So to make that statement as we think about connecting in group, I don't see the need in it, is in many ways saying, God, I I don't trust your processes. I don't trust that you know what's best for me as your child. I think we begin to accelerate, and that's what I want for you. Can I ask you this? Isn't it what you want for yourself? To begin to accelerate spiritually in your life. We accelerate when we release the I don't see the need e-break. In fact, we begin to change this. I don't see the need for connecting in community to I'm in desperate need of connecting in community. It's this important spiritual discipline. One of the coolest things during the height of the pandemic when we were not meeting, and so I would leave the office some evenings, and I would see people parked in the parking lot out here as I went out to my truck. They were in a circle in their vehicle, their vehicles. There'd be five, six, seven, eight vehicles circled up, and there would be trucks and minivans and SUVs with tailgates and hatchbacks open, and people would be sitting at the end of their vehicle in a circle with their vehicle backed up. You get that image in your mind? At first, I'm like, man, this is weird. What in the world's going on? And I, I just walked out, and, 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 and the first time, I mean, somebody's almost, Pastor Brady, I know we're not supposed to be meeting, but we couldn't stop. 
We needed, to, we needed to be with each other. And there they were praying for each other, encouraging each other. Such an important thing. Why? Because they had experienced the exhilaration of acceleration that comes through connecting and community with other believers. Let me share a testimony with you. Chad Davenport, we're going to play Chad's testimony here. And I want you to hear uh, Chad's perspective on this. I think it can be a very helpful thing. Let's take a look at the screen. So I'm Chad Davenport. Uh, my wife, Sarah, and I and our children uh, have been attending New Vision for around five years. I uh, serve on the uh, vision team and the leadership council and uh, leader of a men's small group. So I realized uh, a few years ago that uh, I was trying to do this alone, my wife and I were, and, and was just listening to some of the pastors and church leaders talk about small groups and realized that uh, Maybe I was one of those guys that nobody knows and, and really felt it important to get a group of guys around me, a group of men around me that were dealing with some of the same struggles that I was, that would be able to lift me up and maybe I could uh, encourage them through some of the trials that I've walked through in my life. So I would say my time in my men's group has shaped me uh, in several ways. Uh, I would say that it's made me more cognizant uh, of the need for me to support other Christian men around me. Uh, I would say that also uh, when I'm dealing with struggles, uh, especially sin areas of my life, I now have someone to go talk to about those things. Uh, and I can talk to them in relative comfort. Let me say something about this just, just real quick, and I, I wish I'd have said this all week. This is what torments me about preaching. I'm like, man, that didn't make any sense. You should have said this. So I do that all afternoon. I don't want you to get, if you've never done a group, I don't want you to get the impression that, you know what, I show up and I've got to start confessing sin areas, I'm out. Or I show up and they're going to ask me to read something from the Bible, I, I'm, I'm not, or they're going to ask me to pray. Nobody's going to ask you to do anything. All you have to do is show up and just sit, if that's all you want to do, and just listen. Just listen, right? And sometimes the, the, the community happens after the group is over. I see it every single week. One guy, he may not say anything in group, and he'll just grab another guy in the hallway or just afterward from reading at somebody's home and just talk for a little bit. So, again, you don't have to do, do any of that. But, 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 but you'll grow into it. So I just want to kind of just throw that out there. So the first, the first e-break is I don't see the need. Well, I think if we take a look at Scripture, really that was God's plan for us that the church grew larger and smaller, and we need that. Secondly, the second e-break is, I don't have time for connecting. I hear that a lot from people. Pastor Brady, I know it's a good idea, but listen, we are busy. And with work and with kids uh, and their schedules, we just, we just we can't find the time to do it. And I understand that. Um, but our, here, here's my rebuttal to that. Our ancestors found time to do that. They, they met every single day. We're talking about one hour a week. And to that, the response is, well, yeah, that was a much less complex time. And they had, much, they had more free time. Hold on a second. Think about this for a second. You know, if I want something to drink, I, I grab a bottle of water. If you want, when you woke up in the morning in that first century culture and you wanted something to drink, it was a quarter of a mile walk to a well where you lowered a bucket down, brought it up, and took water back for your family. Every single thing in their life was much more complicated, right? I mean, 
Many of us will drive through at a restaurant and pick up lunch and go home and we'll order things on Amazon to be delivered to our house, right? If you wanted food, you had to prepare it. If you wanted clothes, you had to make it, right? Do you see? So, so here's my point. I mean, I, I think it's, it's not accurate to say this is a much more complex and we're way busier today than, than they were. I'm not, I'm not so sure if that's true. In fact, I disagree with that. But here's what is true. The cost of community is a consistent investment in time. It is. And that's what these first century believers did. They devoted themselves. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. A single-minded devotion, a firm commitment to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, here's what we, we hear. Pastor Brady, I don't have time. You know what my response is? That's why you need community. And that, the, the look back is always so interesting. Like, what? no, 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 you didn't hear me. We don't have any time. That's why you need community. Because as busy as you are, you need to be as efficient as you could possibly be, right? I mean, you wouldn't say to a lumberjack, I don't think we have any lumberjacks here, but you wouldn't say to a lumberjack, you know what, you don't, if he said, I don't have time to sharpen my saw, you'd say, well, that makes sense. You shouldn't do that. If he doesn't sharpen his saw, what's going to happen? He's going to work longer and harder with less results, Right? In many ways, that's what biblical community is, right? If I say I don't have time for that, then I'm going to be more efficient uh, in, in, in my life as I'm connecting in community. Now, my, my, my wife, I love my wife. So many amazing things about my wife. My wife is adamant about oil changes. I don't know why, but my wife has a view that if one of our vehicles goes over 3,000 miles without an oil change, it just, boom, it's going to blow up. I mean, she's like, you know, the ride comes to an end. She'll look at my truck, and she will just get panic-stricken. You've got 100 miles left. And I, I, I don't have time for an oil change. Anybody here like that? Like, who has time? For, I don't have a time for an oil change. That's really the way I thought until several years ago I blew an engine. You know what? I find time for oil changes now because what I really don't have time for is a blown engine. Are you with me? I don't have the time or the money for a blown engine, so I have made time for an oil change in my life, and my wife loves that. Now, is, is, are, 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 this is, please hear what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm going fast because I know you got 20 minutes and you're, you're one, I, I get it. I, I, I sit where you guys sit. I understand. Please understand this. I have been in counseling. Uh, my wife and I have been in counseling. We have a biblical, biblical counseling center here. We just opened up new suites down there that we're super excited about. We love that, love that, love that, love that. I, I just want to make a statement 75%, that's not everybody, but 75% of folks who are coming in need for counseling, which is a great thing. We say around here, it's okay to not be okay. Have you heard us say that? It's not okay to stay there. So 75% of people who are coming are not in community. And, and that doesn't mean that nobody would need biblical counseling if, if, if we had community, but, but it would make a huge difference, I really, really believe. So we accelerate in our life when we release the too busy e-break. That's just an excuse, isn't it? You see, e-break, emergency break, what the e-break is for us spiritually, just, the, just excuses in many ways. Nobody's nodding here. That's true of me, right? For sure. And, and we're going to do everything short of sinning to try to help you get in a group. I mean, we're giving this car away today for the first person who signs up for a group out on the porch. So, right, are you in? Okay, we'll just come. Okay, go get signed up. I wish it was somebody else because you're really big. And I, don't, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. That's a joke. But we, uh, it's, I'd give it to you if it was mine. It's Pastor Steve's, and he's not as spiritual. <laughs> but we want to try to help you with, with, with that, right? Here's the third thing that I hear, and this is different than what we've said before. We see that kind of different. Here's the third thing we've said. I hear people say this a lot. I already have deep connections. 
Like, Pastor Brady, I love that our church has groups because I know there's a lot of people moving here from out of state and they're coming here and they've been relocated here and uh, they, they need some, they need friends. I so love that we do that. And, uh, but we have friends. We have connections. I agree with that. That's good. But, but here's what I would say about that. There is a difference. And I wonder if you agree or disagree. I'm watching your face here. I think there's a difference between relational connections and biblical community. I think there's a difference. Relational connections aren't bad. They're good things. But biblical connection is a, a, a different thing, right? And so I think one of the things that people that accelerate do is they, they're willing to turn their already pre-existing connections into community, and it's not as hard as you might think, right? So let, let me say this, because this doesn't sound like something a pastor would say. We have a lot of groups here. We'd love for you to come to groups that we have here. We try to make it easy. Again, Dakota said that. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have couples groups. We have them all week long, all that. We have that. But you don't have to come here to have biblical community, right? I mean, we're not the only broker of biblical community here, right? You can have that with maybe it's some friends or family or folks that you just, just you know, are with a lot. You could turn those connections into community, and you might ask, well, how would I do that? Well, the, the, the Scripture shows us the three uh, ingredients, the non-negotiable ingredients of biblical community. Look at Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 42. Again, it is, it, it's this. It is the Word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Word of God, to fellowship, right? That's sharing your life, and to prayer, right? That was a big part of that. And so let me just show you something here for a second. Like, we need the Word today more than we ever have before because everybody in the culture has got a Word for us, don't they? I mean, I'm amazed at how many people know so much about medical things today that have no training. Aren't you blown away by that? Everybody's an expert. I'm like, wow, look, good for you. I mean, every, I mean if, I can, if I get online, I'm offending some of you. If, I, if I'm online, there are people telling me a hundred different things that ought to do with my life. There's experts about everything. You know what I'm asking our church to do? And some people have pushed back at this, but that's okay. You don't have to do this. But I wonder if you'd just take a three-day media fast this week, and instead of reading a hundred different articles about, you know, vaccines or not vaccines or masks or, you know, this conspiracy, that conspiracy, and let's just spend that time in the Word of God. Let's see what the Word says, right? right? If we would do that, that'd be a pretty powerful thing, wouldn't it? I think it would, I would grow us. And so, but again, let me, let me get to this point. How could you turn your connections of some, you know, work associates, family, you know, extended family, people that you hang out with into community just with the Word? You might say, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not seminary educated. You don't have to be. Maybe it's just one passage of Scripture that God has showed you this week that's really meant something to you. You send that out in a text to your connections and share what that, that passage has meant to you. What you're doing is you're starting to turn those connections into community. Do you see that? I think one of the coolest things that happened, and I'm going to share a negative thing about my group in just a moment, lest you think I'm a great group leader because you're about to realize I'm not. We didn't meet this summer, but... We all took turns doing a couple de uh, devotions that we just sent out on a Group Me app. The highlight of my summer was a couple dudes in our group that are just so new to, to faith. I mean, these are, I mean, these dudes are, I mean, several years ago, these guys are rough guys. And Jesus has changed their life. And, and, 
And they're sharing a devotion. They share a verse of Scripture and some thoughts about it. Man, it was just super cool. And we were having biblical community even when we weren't meeting. So you can do that. The other ingredient is prayer. Let's just, let's just think about it again. Prayer was powerful in the life of the first church, right? They saw supernatural movements of God because they were serious about prayer. But the people you're connected with, I wonder if you could get them in, in your mind, work associates, you know, fishing buddies, ladies that you hang out, your kids or friends, or your, your connection group. Every single week, something's going on with, with, with their life at some level, right? I mean, they've got a child that's going through a struggle. They, they're hitting a snag in their marriage and a relationship in their work life. W- could we all agree? Could somebody nod that the connections that you have, all of them have one thing in common. Something will be tough for them that week. Would you agree with that? That's certainly true of my connections. I don't know about you. And, and, and it, turning those connections into co- community is just as simple as saying, you know what? I want to pray specifically for, for that this week. You may even feel courageous enough to, could I just pray right now? But if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just pray for them throughout the week and then circle back a week later and say, I've been praying specifically for whatever. How's that going? You know what you're doing? You're starting to turn those connections into community. See that? And then the third ingredient is fellowship, which is really just sharing your life, your strengths and your weaknesses with another person. You're opening yourself up just a little bit to say, you know what? I struggled with that and, and here's what God did. Or maybe even just struggling, a, a sin, just sharing even a sin area in your life. James 5, 16, I love that passage. This is true fellowship. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Right? Because, listen, you have things in your life you're stronger than I am, and I have some things that I'm stronger than you. And in biblical community, we can help each other, encourage each other. Confess these sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Here we go as we're coming to a close. Accelerators, those who have finally stepped on the gas of connecting in biblical community are starting to accelerate. And they've really learned how to turn their connections into community. Here's the fourth and final thing, and I'll be done. I hear this a lot about community or groups. I just don't get, I just don't get that much out of it. Right? I've tried it before. I just didn't get that much out of it. Let me just go ahead and say this. Our groups are not seminary-level classes. You're not going to come in and learn things that you've never seen before. We have New Vision Institute. If you want that, we have that. But that's not what groups are, right? But it's amazing to me. Let me say this. It's amazing to me is of, of how many people evaluate a small group experience by what they get out of it. Um, that's sort of selfish, isn't it? There was a guy who came to my group a while back, and he came for a couple weeks, and then uh, he didn't come back. And then several months later, he came back, and he said this. He said, uh, you guys are probably wondering why I'm back. And uh, he said, well, I'll be honest with you. That's when you know it's about to get real, isn't it? <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. It's on. He said, I didn't get a lot out of it. And I'm the pastor here, right? I'm leading. This is my small group, Pastor Brady's small group. And he just said, it wasn't very good. I'm like, man, that's a stinger, right? I'm leading this place. He said, I I don't want to be honest with you. didn't get a lot out of it. And then he said, but you know, after a matter of weeks, he said, God just showed me something. That wasn't really the point. The point was maybe I have something in my life that I can be a blessing to you guys and encourage you and you encourage me. And that, that was kind of a selfish thought process. I thought that was pretty honest. I've never heard anybody really be that honest about that. You see, and sometimes we, we quit a group, watch this, I'm almost done, this is, t- this is tough. 
because we tried a group, but we had a bad experience, and so we're just out. Now, listen, here's the thing. That happens all the time, and it will continue to happen because we are surrounded by broken people, and we are broken people, and you won't always have great experiences. I always, I always say, say this, and I, I, wish, I wish, you, wish we would. But you know what? This week in a restaurant, I went to a restaurant just right down the street here this week. I went to a restaurant, and the, and the, and the waiter, we, it was three of us, and, and we gave him our, our drink order. And he just flew by, and he set three drinks on the table at the far end of the table and just kept going. I was like, wow. I mean, usually they bring them right around in front of you. You know what that was? It was a bad experience. I'm never going back there again. You know, that's not true. I'm, I'm going to keep eating at restaurants. Um, again, you don't get a body like this without really putting the time in, but <laughs> it was a, that was a bad experience at a restaurant, right? But I didn't say, I'm done eating out. Or in marriage, we have some tough days, and, and Amy doesn't say, well, I'm done with you. I'm out. I mean, we push through some things, but for some reason, we just fail to do that in, in group life or some, right? If it's a bad experience. We just, we just quit. I, I don't think that's what it means to be devoted to as our ancestors were. And I want to grow in that. I hope, I hope you do too. We accelerate when we see connecting in community, not merely for what we get, but what we can give. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 1, 11 and 12. I have, I have such a block right now because I, I just have to stop and this is awkward but I just have to say this. I'm at the end of my sermon right now, just so you know, I'm cutting things, and whoever's running the teleprompter right now is trying to catch up with where I am because I just cut about five things, and they're, cut, and they're doing a great job. But for the last five years, a lady named Wendy Smith has run that teleprompter. And uh, she went home to, to Jesus Thursday Thursday afternoon, she was super cool. We'll do her funeral here in about five hours. And there, during, it was this part of the service that she started freaking out, right? And afterwards, she would run back, and she would punch me. And she was like, you were going so fast. You cut so much stuff, and I didn't know where you were, and you were just, don't leave me out to dry like that anymore. And, uh, and so I'm, I've just had the hardest time during this time, Right? Because I know what they're doing back there, and I can see her every single week. And uh, just sad stuff like that in life sometimes, isn't it? Listen to what Paul said in Romans 1, 11, and 12. We're on this subject of not just what I can get out of a group, but what I can give. Paul says, I long to see you, so may I impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. In other words, he's saying, I don't just show up uh, so I can get something. I want to be able to share something that can be an encouragement to you. Let's draft, right? Last thing I want to say, this is tough, and people really push back against me here. I think without true biblical community, I think there are a lot of commands in Scripture that it's really very hard to live out. Can I say that again? Without connecting in biblical community, there are a lot of commands in Scripture that it's really hard to live out. In other words, there are 59 what we call one another commands where the phrase one another is mentioned. 
And I'll share one with you. Nick shared it in the message last week. We were looking at it in my small group this past week. Here's one of the 59. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, look at that. Let us consider. You know what that phrase, that word consider means? It means to study intently, to really know someone. So before, and and to spur one another. We're commanded to spur. That's a command. That's a biblical command to spur one another on spiritually. That word spur means to incite. It's like taking a cattle prod to somebody a little bit. Like, let me give you a tip. You can't do that to people you don't know. It does not go very well, right? I mean, that's why some people get hurt in the church. Some people do like drive-by rebukings where they see something outside of God's will in your life. They don't even know you, but they come by and just let you have it, and you're like, get out of my face. Who are you? I don't know you. You don't know me. But that same thing, somebody in community that I know that has studied me intently, who knows me, cares about me, shares that truth with me, and it incites me, it spurs me on, you see? So I believe there's a lot of commands in Scripture to correct, to encourage all these these commands, these one another commands in Scripture that are really hard to live out apart from having a target that we have in biblical community. So we accelerate when we release the what's in it for me e-break spiritually. Let me close this way. If you're watching online, I want you to, to hear what I'm about to say. I think connecting in community should be a natural desire of a believer or follower of Christ. Let me say it another way. I think our connection to Christ as a believer should should really lead us to having a longing to connect with others. I am not saying, I'm not saying that if you aren't in biblical community, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there should be this natural desire there. And so for you today here or watching online, what is the e-break that you've pulled up? What's, What's kind of the excuse that you need to release so you can step on the gas and God begin to do a fresh work in you. I think you have to identify that. You know what the first one we looked at today was? I don't see the need. And I think a lot of people say that about the groups, but here, this is even bigger, and I'll close with this. I think a lot of people say that as it relates to Jesus. Like, to be honest with you, I don't really see the need. And I understand that because in the church... We have really relegated Jesus to miss hell, make heaven. Such a miss. Let me tell you what Jesus brings into your life. Hope in all things and in all places. Because here's what I know is true about every single person in this room and every single person watching online. There are some difficult, dark, hard places that you need hope. And in him, you will find it. We are looking for meaning and we are looking for purpose. And can I tell you something? Jesus will bring that to you through a connection with him. 
We are trying to outrun our past, outrun our shame and our guilt and our mistakes and the hurt from our past. We are trying to outrun them, and it is so negatively affecting our life and so many uh, decisions that we're making in our life. Can I tell you something about Jesus? He redeems your past. He releases you from your past. Man, I don't see the need. Oh, my goodness. I cannot imagine a second without him. I can't. I can't imagine coming back into this room in about four hours not knowing where my friend is. She's at home, right? She's at home. There's hope in every situation. You can have that hope by connecting in repentance and faith to Christ and Christ alone. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Would you show us the e-breaks in our life that you want to release so that we can be free? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.